friends, and welcome back to the Asbury Deep Dive podcast. It's so good to be with you today. I am Melissa Ivey, the coordinator of Adult Ministry at Asbury, and with me today, I have one of my really good friends, Calvin. Hello. Calvin does so much here at Asbury. Uh, tell us all that you're involved in, Calvin. Oh, all that I'm involved in. All of it. Mostly, it's just moving this keyboard from the CLC to the sanctuary, <laughs> but um, that's the majority of what I do. But no, I um, actually came to Asbury about six or seven years ago. Um for Celebrate Recovery uh, was a really interesting time in my life, but Celebrate Recovery was there for me and um, just so grateful to be a part of that. And then just a couple years ago, I found myself in a position where I was looking for a new church home specifically to potentially be involved with music and got connected with some awesome people. And so I got to be on the modern worship team and just playing about once a month or twice a month. And now I'm playing almost every week (laughs) and very grateful for that opportunity and to be a part of that ministry. So good. I actually did celebrate recovery in college as well, which it's a fantastic program. It's Monday nights at Asbury. If you're ever interested. Yeah. Once um, we get back to normal, we'll have dinner at six o'clock and then we'll have large group at seven. And then at eight o'clock, we'll break out for small groups and just kind of break it up based on what you'd like to work on. And it's just super powerful just to have that authentic moment. So yeah, so good. So good. Um, So last reminder, last little update is to always remember that we have our text updates. If you want to stay updated and connected whenever we post podcast live um, so that you can just text at Asbury Dive to 81010 and we'll send a text out whenever um, podcasts are up and we'll love for you to take lessons whenever we do that. So perfect. So Sunday, don't know if you guys know or not, but it was Easter, which is super fun. So wonderful. And we hope that you're able to celebrate somehow. I'm sure it wasn't your normal Easter traditions. We didn't get to do ours, but we're going to reschedule hopefully with our extended family. And so um, hope that you found a way to make Holy Week special for you in some way. Um, I'm sure it looked different, but I hope you were able to do that. And if you didn't catch it, be sure to go watch Tom's sermon. You can go to asburytulsa.org to watch it. So I hope that you do that as well. So we have... Lots of things we want to talk about today. So many things. Um, Easter is such a powerful thing. And so um, lots of different chunks we just want to dive into with you guys. And so just to start, um, I don't know if you guys have ever looked at what happens or what scripture tells us happened the moment Christ died. Because it was crazy. So the moment Jesus died on the cross, he says, it is finished. Um, I hope you remember that. This is kind of, this summary is kind of putting together all of the gospels and what they tell us, all the narratives. So Jesus says it is finished. We're told that the sun was obscured. So it was like darkness or like an eclipse of some kind. So um, that was happening in nature, which is crazy. Um, There was earthquakes the moment Christ died, which is, I think, highly significant. Um, And then more so that my two favorite is that people, they call them saints. So this would be people who followed God or who knew God were raised from the dead. Like dead people started living and walking out of their tombs and going to tell people and witnessing and things like that, which is crazy. That's so wild to think about. Yeah. I can't even fathom if you're like, that guy died. Like what's happening? Yeah. We didn't even have AMC back then to even (laughs) know what this could potentially look like. And these people were just witnessing it. Yeah. Um, Very, very weird to think about. Mm -hmm. Like this is, this actually happened. This isn't something that a creative writer made up. Like, yeah, this isn't a fairy tale. This happened. No, this really happened. And it's so cool that the Bible has these moments that are almost so cinematic. If yes. you think about yes. how detailed all of it is, and you're like, if you think the Bible's not entertaining or just 
so fascinating to comprehend and understand. Like it's just these moments that you're like, you can just mull on that yeah. for a while. Yeah, and what a declaration of the new kingdom and the new order that Christ was bringing. That dead people rose, saints, you know, people who knew God to coming, coming to witness and to tell about God. And um, side note, they weren't buried, so don't think that they had to crawl out of like six feet of dirt. Their okay, tombs, I definitely yeah, no, that. no, they weren't mummies <laughs> or anything. It's not the Walking Dead. So their tombs were stone more so, and they, you know, how whenever Jesus was placed in his tomb and the stone was rolled right. over, that's more of the feel. It was yeah. a, um, a little more accessible. It would have been a lot easier for dead people then to raise and be able to walk again for then for like graves here they would yeah. have to like dig a get out of a coffin dig up that wasn't the case they were wrapped they weren't put in coffins um and all these things so it, it would be feasible and yeah. they wouldn't be covered in dirt from digging thank you for clarifying that <laughs> yeah because yeah, in my fact. mind i was definitely thinking of like plants versus zombies where they're like coming out of the ground it's a exactly. family friendly mobile game Yes, FYI. yes. And then the last thing that we'll touch on that happened when Jesus died was that the veil tore from top to bottom, which is crazy. So the veil was, it was like a nine inch thick curtain. I forgot to look up that number, but it was a thick curtain. So this thing would not have torn on its own and it tore from top to bottom. And so this was the curtain that was blocking off the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple. So basically it was containing God's spirit to the Holy of Holies, which I hope you've listened to other podcasts to know that that was appropriate for the old covenant and that saved our lives in the old covenant system. But the moment Christ died, that veil tore, which meant that the spirit of God was free to move around the earth as it pleased, as it could. Mm -hmm. And we see 50 days later, Pentecost happening. We see Jesus raising from the dead and, you know, filling in more details there, which is crazy, crazy cool. All of these, I mean, I could talk about all of these instances for a long time. But I think the three things that I'm reminded of that all of these things tell us, you know, that the sun was obscured, you know, there was earthquakes and the, the people who were there on the by Jesus when he was dying, they felt the earthquakes and they're like, surely this was the son of God. Like things were happening. Like, right. oh, my goodness. Um, is first of all, you know, especially with this veil being torn, we now have access to God, which for us is like, yeah, we know. But for them would have been mind blowing. And I hope sometimes it still is mind blowing for us. Yeah. Like that's still a crazy concept. Well, and you think about how unaccessible that the Holy Spirit was, that that yeah. it was contained. And then now, like, just imagine we take that for granted sometimes that oh, yeah. we we don't have to go through that process. The Holy Spirit is in us and works through us. And we don't have to go through that process and we won't die having the Holy right. Spirit in us. Right. Which Hallelujah. is so, um, it's, I definitely am guilty of taking that for granted. And when you yeah. read stuff like this, it reminds us of how important that moment was specifically. So good. And um, the next point is God's glory is now free and, um, you know, the glory of God is a crazy cool concept. And I think, you know, there's similarities to here to the Holy Spirit, but just seeing God's glory and God's masterpiece and God's dominion over the earth. You know, there were earthquakes, the the veil tore, you know, these unnatural people were raised from the dead, these unnatural things, you know, God's glory is on display in a way that we just hadn't seen yet. Or I mean, some instances, some cases here and there, but this was a whole new level that mm -hmm. Christ was bringing and God's glory is just so much more prevalent, so much more like in your face, you can't miss it, which is super cool. Yeah. And then lastly, 
God's grace, which we'll touch on grace more as we keep going, because I think what's Easter without grace? Right. Um, super important. But God's grace is just so evident here in those. So those three things really are super obvious in the happenings, the moment Christ died. So this is even before the resurrection. Like, yeah. you know, I know the disciples lost. I'm sure they lost hope, you know, just in the, in the upper room waiting or, um, you know, going about their life or all these things. And so um, God was still on the move, even when his son was dead. Yeah. You know, crazy, crazy cool. So, um, you know, bouncing off of that and just diving into just Easter as a whole, like, I don't, I love Christmas, but Easter, like there's so much more hope in Easter. Yeah. So what a timely time for us to be struggling as an entire nation, essentially, um, for the hope of Easter to be so present, you know? So one thing I was thinking about, when it comes to Easter versus Christmas, right? Christmas can get so saturated with so many things happening, everything from the Christmas plays to the Christmas parties. We don't really have a lot of Easter plays and Easter parties, right? And I think adding that, taking away a lot of the distractions and having an opportunity to just be home mm. and reflect on the power of Easter. Like this Easter in particular was just really cool for me um, because I didn't have a whole lot going on. I mean, like most people, I watched church online from the comfort of my home and it, I was by myself. And in that moment, just thinking by myself, how grateful that I am to know how blessed that I am because I have the grace and the love and the salvation through Jesus, through what he did for us. And there's so much hope there and so much promise that even though we're going through a really difficult time as a nation and as, a, as the world right now, we still have hope in Jesus that no matter what, is thrown at us that we're kind of in the middle of those three days of hopelessness that the disciples felt and knowing that there is hope at the end of that and our hope is in Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So good. I mean, I think hope is, you know, you know, Jesus somewhere says faith, hope, and love remain. Right. And it's like, what is, what is hope? You know, it's an, we're not going to dive into that, but what an interesting question to really think, you know, hope is one of those things where kind of like faith where, yeah, it's a word, but there's so much more depth there. And it's such a spiritual word, I would say, you know, hope and where do we put our hope in? I think in the modern world, I don't really have to hope for much. You don't have to right. hope for my next meal. I can just go make it or go to right. the kitchen. I don't have to hope for, you know, lots of things are more certain, you know, but then in this time when things are uncertain, hope, I think we get to see it in a different way and in a more right. true form of what truly is hope. Um, you know, if hope was put on the same level as faith and hope and love, like, I don't know. I think we just, such an interesting, powerful word. Yeah, for sure. And I think I really liked Tom's sermon at the end, whenever he was talking about, if you haven't accepted Christ, now is a beautiful time to do so. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. I agree. It's always a beautiful time to accept Christ. And I right. think that call is beautiful, but, um, you know, I'm assuming if you're listening, you probably already have accepted or whatnot. I mean, if not, Yay. Like, thank you for listening. Welcome. Fantastic. We're glad um, you're here. <laughs> yeah. And I think the call of accepting salvation is always important, but I love this quote and it says, stopping at salvation isn't incorrect. It's incomplete. 
You know, and I think Easter is a fantastic time for Christians to go deeper and deeper because there's always a deeper, which is crazy to me because there's been times in my life where I'm like, I am doing great. What do you mean there's deeper? And then Jesus is like, you're funny. Here's new (laughs) things. You know, there's always deeper. There's always more. And I think sometimes as Christians, we can say, you know what? I'm saved. I love that Jesus guy. I'm good. Like, let's just live. Let's just do me. And um, that's not Christ's way. You know, he calls us deeper into more. And um, salvation isn't the end goal. It's the starting point. Right. Yeah, it's the point from which we run our race. So I like this illustration. I'll use a musical um, musical example. Yes. So when, when I first started playing piano, I was really excited when I can play a song using chords, right? <laughs> yeah. And I probably, I don't know, three or four months into it, I'm starting to play songs with chords and I'm so excited and proud of myself and I'm showing mom and grandma and everybody like, look what I can do. Well, 10 years later, after playing piano, I feel almost, and this is crazy what I'm about to say, but I feel almost insignificant Mm -hmm. because I see people's talent and how deep and how wide they can go. So if you can picture a funnel in your head, and that like me learning the chords is like the very, very thin part of the, the funnel, the very end of the funnel. But then it fans out and gets wider and it gets more um, expansive. Is that a right word? Yeah. Um, so I think the same thing in our faith, like we accept Jesus, we're at that very tip of the funnel. But as we dive deep into our relationship with God and we dive deep in the word and we dive deep into the fellowship with other believers, like our knowledge just gets so much wider. Like I've, I've talked to friends of mine that have been in the ministry for years and they'll say similar things. Like there's just so much to learn. You can dive so deep into this. And I think the beauty of our relationship with God is the journey and seeking God and seeking his will for our lives and seeking what he would want us to apply to our lives so that we can be, um, be a tool that, or get tools in our tool belt so that we can be of service to him. So I just think that as we continue to dive deep, kind of what you mentioned, um, our salvation is just the beginning and it is a beautiful journey and it's a beautiful walk. And we've talked about the Holy Spirit, but just having the Holy Spirit in our heart and having him for lack of a better term as a resource, right? How he is like, he's kind of like the Siri for our alarm clock, right? (laughs) We're like, you are here to help me. Uh, We work together so that we can be of service to the Lord. And it is just so, so powerful. He mentioned, um, I don't remember which scripture it is, but he talks about, I'm sending the helper. Yes. And the helper comes to guide us through our daily lives and through our daily walk. And there you go. That's my, that's my piano illustration for you. That's so good. And it's so true. And, um, Yeah, it's just beautiful. And it's one of the beautiful, beautiful aspects of a life with Christ. And I think it's such good news to um, younger Christians, you know, Mm -hmm. to everyone, you know, if you're, you've been a Christian for a long time or you haven't, like it's such good news or if you've been stagnant or anything, it's such good news. And I think the hope of Easter reminds us of that news of like, there's more, which is just so, so cool. And so, um, but wait, there's more, but wait, there's more. And so (laughs) one of my favorite, favorite stories, um, 
of kind of the gospel narratives is found in John 21. And so John is the only one that has this story, which I love it. And so we're told um, that Jesus appeared to many people in many different ways. Like we're told that he, I love, I think it's an Acts. I could be wrong. No, it's at the end of one of the gospels. But basically it says like, if we spent time writing down everything that Jesus mm-hmm. did in his life and in his days back, there was not enough books, not enough words. Not right. enough, and I'm like, I want to know. I want to know. I want to know. And well, so. Can you imagine the gospels? Like, I mean, say 20 ish chapters, right. Yeah. Uh, for each gospel, give or take. And that's covering a three year span that cannot possibly like contain all of the knowledge that Jesus had and all of the things that he shared and all of the things that he, I mean, potentially all the things that he's done. Yeah. I mean, just what an incredible moment. I I just picture when we get to heaven, there's just going to be this like Cinemark AMC type vibe (laughs) where we're going to get to go back and watch. Yeah. Grab your popcorn. Cuddle up next to Peter. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Friendly, not weird. Yeah. No, not friendly. (laughs) It's like one of those like AMC theaters where like they have like the couch beds, you know what I'm talking about? Or or y'all just like cram in and watch John and all the uh, Paul and all the guys. Yeah. Just hang out. That's I feel like that would just be so fun. Like how we hang out with our friends for like board game nights that yes. you just like all hang out together. Like guys, get ready. It's like how it's like when I'm like wanting to watch Wheel of Fortune. I'm like, guys, it's the best part Moses, of the day. Tell us about it in real time. <laughs> so there That's I was. So <laughs> yes, absolutely. Things to look forward to, guys. Join us for our movie nights. I don't think that we have to think that when we get to heaven, everyone's going to be like super like, and there I was like, you know, super I'm like, OK, guys, <laughs> let me tell you everything that just went down. Hey, yo, buddies. <laughs> and you can just talk to him like how you talk to your friends. Like, yeah. you'll never believe what happened. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Speaking of stories that happened, John 21. Okay, let's talk about John 21. Yes. One of our little, <laughs> little glimpses of what Jesus was up to whenever he is appearing. So this is whenever he, Jesus is risen and he's slowly appearing to people. So the disciples, some of the disciples at this point don't yet, he hasn't appeared to them yet. Um, and so they go back fishing. So it's Peter, um, the sons of Zebedee, and I think one other, um, open up John 21 and correct me. Um, and so they are out fishing. And so Jesus walks up to them on the beach, essentially, and he disguises himself, which I don't think he was wearing a hat and a mustache. I think that he... <laughs> now that's a good super- visual. <laughs> some sunglasses. <laughs> I think he just like supernaturally made them not know who he was. Um, yeah. However that works. And so then they're fishing. He tells them to fish on the other side. They then have an aha moment of, we've been here before. Like yeah. this is the risen Lord, you know, which I'm not saying God's a drama queen, but I am saying there's a flair of the dramatic here, which is beautiful or just self-realization. You could go either way, but I think it's awesome. Well, it's again, it talks, it's just such a well-written story. It's yeah. like God had this whole thing planned, like better than any author. It's like, you know what plot twist? Remember the beginning? It's the end part now. Yeah. It's that moment of the movie where it all this comes together. I'm going to tie it's, a bow on it. I, I know. It, and then it, the roll the credits, right? Yeah. With that verse you just talking about <laughs> with the endless books. And then, you know, and then yeah. you play that the fun song that you hear on the radio. And <laughs> Sorry, I'm taking that a little too far. But, um, but yeah. We're about I, it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, so there's lots about this story. I encourage you to read John 21. Super powerful. So. First of all, fun fact, when Jesus first found these disciples, they were mending their nets. And now at the end in John 21, which is really just the beginning, when he finds them, they bring in a giant haul of fish and it says their nets were not torn, Mm -hmm. which I think is so significant. It tells us and it's such, such testament of what happens 
when we live with Jesus. Like mm-hmm. this is testament of what happens when you spend time with him and you draw near to him and you hope in him and you have faith in him and yeah. all these beautiful things, you know, that he finds us broken and he finds us with projects we need to fix and he finds us more broken than all get out, you know, just crazy broken. And then he walks with us and he teaches us and he gives us tools. You know, the net was a tool for them. Right. And he gives us the right tools, gives us the right things, the right words, the right, you know, whatnot. And um, some of it's training and preemptive and some of it's in the moment always. Um, but then after time with him is they're mended and they don't break in the giant hall. And there's just so much there, you know? Yeah. Well, one thing, I don't know if you and I were having this conversation at one point, but sometimes you'll hear a lot um, of people say, God use me. Right. Mm. And I think that's a very good thing to say, but I almost think in my life, how I like to look at it is God, give me the tools like the net so that I yes. can be of service to you. Yes. Right. Cause God doesn't want us to be robots. Right. Yeah. Like I want to invest when I invest in my relationship with God, God gives me the tools needed so that I can go out and be of service. That's so good. I think that's as that's part of the net is that he's the one that gave us that tool. Yes. And they were able to accomplish something through Jesus. Because Jesus is the one that said, toss the nets over. On their own, they were just they were just struggling. But then once Jesus blessed the net, because here's the the deal, like I'm I'm not a fisherman, right? But like, what's the big difference between flipping your net from one side of the boat to the other, right? Like how big is this boat? I, I don't know, but it was when he said, when he gave the, the order, right? And he blessed that moment. That's when they started seeing the results that they were looking for. Yeah. That's so good. So much there. And I think a key thing there is that I, I, I've i said it before in a different podcast, but God doesn't want to replace us. He wants to restore us. Right. Which is so good. And this this little story in John 21 is Jesus restoring Peter. Because remember how many times Peter denied? Yeah. Three, three times. times. And how many times does Jesus say, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. He restores him three times. He restores him to himself to say, you denied me three times and I'm giving you the opportunity to take that back three times. And then I'm also three times telling you, here's my command to you. Go forth, do these things. That restoration, that story is just so beautiful. And um, something that, you know, there's so much grace in that, but even more so, you know, jumping back a little bit in the story, um, Calvin pointed this out to me yesterday of just, Jesus washed, washed, excuse me, Jesus washed, washed, Judas's feet. Yeah. That statement would be really powerful if I didn't mess up all the words, but. Yeah. (laughs) No, it is powerful. Well, in thinking about that moment that we were just reading about with Jesus restoring Peter, but just that moment where Jesus is washing the disciples' feet, Judas was, and Jesus knew what was going on. He was fully aware that Judas sold him out. He was fully aware of what was about to happen. And Jesus still chose to wash Judas's feet. And it's one of those things that when we, I mean, sin is sin. I mean, we've, we've, we can talk about that all day long, but that was so personal to Jesus in the human form. I think that was a personal attack against him. And Jesus knew it had to be done, right? I mean, it's, again, he got it. But at the end of the day, like Jesus is still human and had those emotions of like, this is this is very offensive. He would have been hurt. 
It would have been very difficult. But that love, like that is probably my favorite example in the Bible of Jesus showing this crazy love, the mm-hmm. the love that just does not make reckless sense. Reckless love. It's reckless love. Absolutely, absolutely. It's so and like that love that's so tied up in grace. Yeah. Like the symbolism of Jesus washing feet is crazy, but that he did Judas's too. And yeah. That, that grace that Jesus is saying, "I'm here for you," and him so intimately giving grace to Peter in the form of restoring him three times. You right. Know, the same way that he had denied three times. It's just so grace. I think sometimes we think of this overarching, like large concept, which it is. Yeah. Absolutely it is. But like there's minute instances of grace. Like there's intimate right. grace. There's personal grace between us and Christ where he knows what we need and he restores us and how we need, which right. is so cool. Yeah. So powerful. Yeah. Something else that, um, you know, I love that we're talking about the net as a tool and I think it's a resource. It's a tool. And I, I think of the Bible, it's absolutely a resource and a tool. Um, but I think sometimes we love the Bible more than we love Jesus. Yeah. And we love the rules more than we love the Savior. Um, you know, and I think sometimes we put the resource over the one. Right. And I, the disciples didn't have the Bible. They had the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. Um, you know, they had that for sure. But the letters, you know, the New Testament is full of letters, which would now be written after. And this gospel that we're reading are accounts that were written after. So like they lived right. this and they chose to follow and they chose to do all these things for one simple reason and one simple reason alone. And that's the person of Jesus Christ. Right. Which is just, that's what Easter's about. And I love the Bible. I absolutely do. But we cannot confuse the Bible with the Savior. Yeah. And you talked about this in your last podcast on Thursday, um, where I love how you say Jesus isn't a drama queen. Like, that's, <laughs> that's probably my favorite Mel quote. And I think that Mardell needs to jump on that t shirt right now. Yeah. My mom texted me and she said, Jesus is a drama queen question mark. And I was like, you know what I meant. You get it. You know what we're saying, right? Um, but. You talked about setting the stage, right? Mm -hmm. And the stage was, you talked about all the history with what was going on in the Roman Empire and how can this message of Jesus just have a massive explosion right out of the gate as soon as the Holy Spirit has been poured out over his people. I think the biggest thing is those people that were going out and sharing Jesus, that's all they had. Yeah. That they had the story of Jesus. They had, based on those three years of ministry, that was their content and that was their message. And we are blessed to live in a time where we do have the full Bible and we do have the internet with unlimited resources. And we have the tradition, the history of the church. We have the church. We have millions of of resources and sermons. Yeah available to us thousand bible studies thousands of bible Bible studies again we have mardell right next door we can go (laughs) over there and get what we need um but these people had jesus and i think that's important to remember that although we are blessed with all of these wonderful things and we can use them at the end of the day the message is still jesus yeah that's it and where we can build off that. And we've talked about this just a second ago where, you know, we can go as deep as we want into that. And there's always so much to learn, but I think our focus should never distract from Jesus. Let's not fall in love with, with rules and tradition over the 
message of the gospel. Yeah. yeah, you never graduate from the gospel. Right. Right. Like we, you stay in the gospel and there's so many reminders in the letters of remember the gospel, remember the gospel. You know, it's, it's deep and it's wide and it's vast, but it's always Jesus. Right. You know, you never graduate from Jesus. That, right. That's where you stay. That's our drumbeat. That's our foundation. That's everything, yeah. um, which is crazy cool. And so the last thing I kind of want to touch on with this story um, it all ties in at the end, I promise. But I've been reading um, The Cost of Discipleship by Bonhoeffer. Oh, my goodness. So good. So wonderful. Very hefty. I can only read about a chapter in two days and kind of just sit. And, <laughs> and just let mull it, really... it over. Oh, it's so it's really heavy um, and fast paced, heavy of like a lot hits you at once. Anyway, great book. Take it slow. Read it slowly. Um, but one of the concepts he I was just reading about is that he talks about obedience and faith, which I know we don't like the word obedience. Um some, some people do, maybe others don't. Rule followers probably like the word obedience. Right. Um, but free spirits probably don't like it um, as much. That was a generalization. You can or can't like it. It's, you know, right. you, do you, do you, everyone. <laughs> um, but in general, you know, obedience and faith, and I think there's this fine line of believing and like God, and we're like, I just need more faith and whatnot. And it's interesting. So at the beginning, here at the end in John 21, the disciples absolutely believe. And because they believe, they obey. 100%. But if we rewind to the beginning, I wouldn't say that they believed then, right? But they obeyed. So they obeyed and out of that, they found their faith. They found that obedience. And so I think Easter is a good time to examine our obedience and our faith because I think so often we don't obey because we're like, I don't have enough faith yet, which mm. is so backwards. That's right. not, they, one grows the other, right? The more you obey, the more faith you have. And the more faith you have, the more you obey. Like it's both and all the time. And right. I think so often, especially in today's world, that obey part goes away. And if that's you, go read James and then come back and say, um, you know, how important what we do is, you know, it's not the only thing and it starts at the heart and God's after the heart, but right. obedience is so important. And I think I can't just sit here and talk about Easter and how beautiful it is and not say, are you obeying? You know, that's only a question you and God can answer. Yeah. No one else can really answer that question fully for you. Um, but because you believe, are you obeying? And if you don't yet believe fully, obey and let that faith grow and let that belief grow. Yeah. So for people listening that may not really know where to start when it comes to obedience, obviously we're, like you just said, read James, and I think that's a good place to start. Just off the top of your head, Mel, is there anything that people can do to start practically living in obedience? And specifically, how do you start living for God Whereas it's so easy to just live for yourself right mm -hmm. now, how do you start giving God more of that authority in your life and working into more of Christ-centered obedience? Yeah, a fantastic question. And I think when I get this from various congregants or various people before me, I answer in different ways. Not that it's a different answer, but I think there's different pieces that different people need to work on, if that makes sense. And so I could answer in any order for these things. But the, one of the first things I think of is our thoughts. Mm -hmm. And how often do we let our thoughts run wild and how often do we not turn our thoughts back to Christ? And so for me, I know thoughts have been a battle, various places comes back, you know, and all these things. And so, um, when my thoughts aren't on Christ, I, um, memorize a Bible verse. And when my thoughts wander, I just repeat that Bible verse, you know, um, getting our thoughts under control is so important. I think for just so many reasons. And just, if your thoughts aren't constantly 
not constantly, I mean, we're going to slip up, of course, but if aren't generally good or generally about trusting God, like how anxious are you right now? Right. And I, 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 anxiety is a real thing. Like right. I fully believe in medication for anxiety, like all of these things, but right. are you partnering with that anxiety and saying, yes, let's go wild with this crazy like fear? Or are you saying sure. Christ? And like whenever you catch it, turning back to Christ instead of turning and staying in the anxiety, I think our thoughts are a huge way. I think another way is abiding. Which for me, abiding, when I think of abide, I'm guilty of thinking abiding is about like, I'm already feeling good with Jesus, so I'm going to keep staying with Jesus every day. Right. But that it doesn't start that way. You have to just decide, I'm going to spend X amount of time being disciplined and being in the word and abide with Christ. Mm-hmm. So abiding with Christ, you know, I say that and I mean spending time in prayer, spending time in the word, or maybe during, if you're walking around and viewing nature to praise God in that time, you know, I think of abiding as when we draw near to Christ. And right. I think that looks so differently for everyone. You know, I, I don't like giving too many blanket answers because right. I don't think there's always blanket answers. And now that I've said, I don't like blanket answer, I'm going to give you a blanket answer (laughs) (laughs) of what are the commands we so often say God gives us. We boil it down to love God, love others. Right. How do you obey? Start loving God. Where are your idols? What are you putting ahead of God? Where are you putting yourself ahead of God? Start to love God more. You know, that's a blanket statement, but then also love others. Be a kind human. Next time you're frustrated in a line because it's taking too long, don't be snippy. Just say please and thank you. And if you're about to say something mean, just keep your mouth shut. You know, love others practically. Love others. Um, If someone needs to talk, talk to them. I'm not, I would say if someone needs a hug, give them a hug, but don't do that right (laughs) now. now. Don't do that. Air hugs. Air hugs for sure. But just love others. And so if you're having a hard time knowing where to start with obedience, and I would say five minutes a day, pray or read the Bible. Yeah. Not to be legalistic or not to for anything, but to help you sit with God. Yeah. Watch your thoughts. You know, what are you thinking about? What are you letting take hold of you? And then also just love God and love others. And that's, yes, it's all encompassing of everyone needs to do it. It's important, but also like there's so many minute things in each of those. Yeah. Like we could talk about just those two concepts for a long time. For a long time. Yeah. I think you summed it up so well. Love God by taking away things in your life where you might not be giving him an opportunity to bless you and serve you in those moments of doubt and anxiety. Um, what are you using instead of God? Yeah, put your phone down. You don't need to be distracted. Exactly. Well, and then loving others, like how are you putting others before yourself? How are you putting others, other people's needs before yourself? Um, we talked at the beginning of the podcast about Celebrate Recovery. And I one thing that's interesting about Celebrate Recovery is someone may struggle with something and someone else may have a completely different struggle and not share that struggle with other people. Right. So for example, um, like there's several people in our celebrate recovery group that may deal with a type of depression, right? So they're going to get around other people that are struggling in that area and they are going to work together to not let that be a stronghold in their life anymore. That's not something I deal with. So on a personal note, something I struggle with is codependency. And one thing that's interesting about codependency is it's not just from like a relationship standpoint, like in a romantic sense, but it can also be codependency with a family member or a coworker or a boss or something like that, where you're letting other people's opinions influence you and other people's affection, um, take place of the affection that I need to be seeking from God. Right. So 
I think that it's different for everyone. And I know we, we talked about Blake's statements, um, <laughs> but I think like, like take that moment. Like if you don't know, and you may not have, may not struggle with that, but there might be something in your life where there's something that you are using to mask some sort of pain. Like a lot of these things are pain management, right? There was either something in our life or something that is in our life that hurts. There was a traumatic event. There was something that has caused us to have depression, anxiety, or hurt. And it starts where there's a hurt or a hang up, right? And we we take a habit to a lot of times mask those things, right? doesn't have to be something that is necessarily culturally unacceptable, right? Or whether it's acceptable or unacceptable, whatever it may be, there's things that we can use and things that we can do in place of God. And that's where it becomes dangerous. And that's one of the things that Celebrate Recovery in particular has really helped so many people with um, kind of navigate that moment. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's been great for me. That's like a very brief moment of my testimony. <laughs> but um, but I think kind of what you talked about, that's I think it's the biggest step of obedience is finding out what am I using to not allow God to fully come into my life and give me the peace and the strength that I need to overcome anything that this world can throw at me. Yeah. Yeah. Learning to rely on God is like a step-by-step -step thing. You know, right. some people can do like, sometimes it's a cold turkey experience where you are not relying on God and then boom, that's all you have. But I think it's a step-by-step. -step. It's a growth. It's a, yeah. it's a funnel. It starts and then yeah. it gets bigger and bigger. And so super cool. And so I love that we started talking about you know, this is all about Easter. We're talking about Easter. And now we're talking about practical ways of how do you obey and how do you have faith, which is right. so crazy cool. And I yeah. think that's it. Like, that's what we're doing. That's why Easter happened is so that we can even talk about these things and have these conversations. And so mm -hmm. Easter, just as we kind of come to a close, it's just such a significant weighty thing. Yeah. And I love that we can like have theology about what it did and what happened and like all of those things. But I love also that we're told we only know in part. Like this wow. is just a fog, like everything. Yes, this is so cool. I hope grab on. It's exciting. But also like we don't know the whole story. There's so yeah. much more um, and we won't know the fullness until we get to heaven and get to see it more clearly or as clearly as day and all these things. Right. And so, so beautiful. And so just as we kind of wrap up and um, I just hope that today you find like the phrase of having hope in Easter is freshened for you. You know, yeah. it's, hope is just such an important thing right now. And I hope that you will continue to just hope in the resurrection. Like that's it for Christians. Like that's our, that's our um, baseline, the resurrection. If we didn't have the resurrection, like this, we wouldn't have Christianity. Like yeah. that's it. This is the message of Jesus. Ex absolutely. And I hope you also, um, are accepting grace for yourself in a new way. Yeah. You know, grace is a huge part of the Easter story. And it's a giant concept of like, you know, we can talk about, you know, uh, prevenient grace and sanctifying grace and justifying grace and all these beautiful things. But grace is such an intimate thing. And when has God said, you know, think of a time in your life when God has specifically restored you or brought you back to himself. And like, that's his grace at play in your life, which yeah. is so, so beautiful. And then lastly, I just hope you always remember that God's calling for you is always for deeper. Yeah. Always for more. He has more for you um, than what you currently have always, yeah. um, which is just a cool bottom line. And so 
yeah, I hope that you enjoyed listening today. Um, I think Easter is just such an important thing. And I mean, we could probably talk for hours and hours yeah, more. Yeah, we <laughs> We're going to let you get back to your day. And... <laughs> yeah, just in closing, yeah. Calvin, will you just pray over our listeners? I would love to. God, thank you so much for everyone that is listening right now. And I pray that the words that we share today have been a blessing to them. And God, just in their lives, I pray that they will find that sense of grace. I pray that they will give themselves grace, God. Like you have touched our lives and you've made such an impact on our lives, but I pray that we will just lean into that and accept that for ourselves. And God, as we walk through our day today, I pray that you will break us and show us ways that we can go deeper in our relationship with you, whatever that may look like, those things that we are holding on to that we just don't want to let go. We pray that you will just soften our heart so that we can allow you to truly move in and make an impact on our lives so that we can use the tools that you have given us, that we can cast the net to the other side and make a make an impact for your kingdom. And we give you all the praise and glory. There is no pride in this. This is all for you. And I pray that just over these next few weeks and months that you will just give us hope, that you will give us peace and just walk us through these difficult times. And uh, we give you all the praise and glory for that in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.